This can be played at high volume. Live and local, this is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Oh, you You better get ready. Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. Do it. And welcome, everyone. It is officially game day here in the U.S. of A. Not quite Louisiana, because obviously we got the LSU Tigers and Louisiana Raging Cages starting next week because it is week zero. But I'll be damned, it's close enough for me to just be absolutely excited and overjoyed and also kind of make some changes to the show. Again, change is a good thing. And as somebody who's lost almost 50 pounds in the last four months, again, a little flex on myself there, change can be a very good thing. So sometimes you look at the show, you look at the State of the Union, and honestly, this is something that I've thought about for a while. Just knew I needed to make this change sooner rather than later. And that is moving some stuff around with the show. Is I like to have feature segments at the top of the hour. Again, in terms of formatics, I think it works best. Because then you have enough time to get to what you want to talk about. And if you want to give me a call, 337-706-0111. Before I get into my thoughts on my picks to click for this weekend... And trust me, I've got a lot of them. Let me tell you about something going on on September 10th. Not Labor Day weekend, but the weekend after. The Black Pot Cook-Off is going to be going down at the Arnoldville Volunteer Fire Department. They're hosting the Black Pot Cook-Off on Saturday, September 10th. It begins bright and early at 8 a.m. So, hey, if you're out there, go ahead and turn on Under the Dome while the cooking's going on. If you're out there cooking for the Black Pot Cook-Off, go ahead and do that. That way you can get your game day started off right. And you'll be able to chow down at noon at the Flower Auditorium in Arnoldville. There will also be plenty of live music, including good friend Gerald Grunick and Gentile Zotico. Let's go! Dustin Sonye and Sweet Cecilia. For more information, visit ArnoldvilleFire.org. That's ArnoldvilleFire.org. But I also want to say... It's finally game day. We got some stuff to get to on a Louisiana Saturday morning. But I also want to say, get in my fantasy football league as soon as you can. Spots are filling up. Still plenty available. But if you want to hit me up, there's there's a number of ways to do so. I think the easiest one is to hit me up on the Twitter machine. Go ahead, send me a private message. On Twitter, my DMs are always open. And let me know that you want in to the Under the Dome with CD Fantasy League. We're going to be using Sleeper this year, not Yahoo. We're actually moving into 2022. What do you know? We're moving into 2022, and we're going to be using the Sleeper app. We're drafting next Sunday, September the 4th at 5 o'clock. That way I can watch all out and also watch the LSU Florida State game. I have my reasons. So we're going to be doing that. 
this time next Sunday at 5 o'clock p.m. We're going to be doing that live on the Sleep Wrap. Of course, the PPR League. And I've said it before. If you don't have a PPR League, you have a Communist League because the PPR is the way to be in 2022. And it's been the way then, now, and forever. If you have a friend that is in a fantasy league that is non-PPR, get them the hell out of that league and get them to come over to ours. You don't want to be all up in the locker rooms, dancing, all of the music videos, dancing, all that stuff. Come down to the Domes Fantasy League. Hit me up on the DMs on Twitter. Hell, you can hit us up on the DMs on the game which is on game underscore Louisiana on Twitter and also the game Louisiana on Facebook. You can private message us there or just DM me at Clint Domingue, C-L-I-N-T-D-O-M-I-N-G-U-E. But now it's time to kind of tell you what I'm putting my money on and what I'm hammering down this weekend with your fave five picks to click. Let's fire it up, baby. Famous CD always has his eyes on the lines out in Las Vegas. Hit me 20. Hit me 21. Hit me 22. Here's his five favorite bets for the weekend. Will he make you rich beyond your wildest dreams? Or will you be cursing him out after he goes 0 for 5? Let's find out on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. I'm a person that's used to heartbreak, but I'll be damned if last weekend's wasn't the ultimate like gut punch, made me feel like 50 pounds of crap after I saw this parlay fall apart quicker than Kamaru Usman took to fall to the mat after that head kick. So let's run through it real quick. I had the LA Dodgers straight up against the Miami Marlins. That hit. San Diego Padres, they eked out a win. Over the Washington Nationals, two to one. Red Sox eked out a win over the Orioles, four to three. And then Marab wound up beating Jose Aldo, which Jose Aldo, which didn't surprise me a single bit. But the final leg of that parlay was the main event: Kamara Usman, Leon Edwards. I was so pumped. You're about a minute left in the fight. Kamar Usman, outside of the first round, whipped this dude's ass. It was 59 seconds left in the fight. You knew that all you had to do was just run out the clock, finish it out, and you win the cards. And the parlay hits for the second straight week. But, of course, life has other reasons, and I immediately damn near let out a yell in my house at 11 50 or so at night when everybody else is sleeping damn near Darth Vader revenge of the Sith no like I literally was just so frustrated with that loss I immediately turned off the stream and went to bed that was pure frustration on a $5 parlay that missed Kamaru Usman thank you very much for getting kicked in the damn head one of the best in the game just got absolutely crushed but we dust ourselves off and we kind of move on to the next one. And the next one is some college football. In full disclosure, using DraftKings this week. 
and they have a five. I have a five leg parlay that has a little bit of a boost on it. So if you want to get in on this boost, go ahead and do so. And again, full disclosure, I'm not being held responsible for else. Yes, that's just not how I want to do this. If you're betting the farm, don't. I'm always much more of a conservative better. For those who don't listen to the show or listening to the show for the first time, I always put down a $5 five-leg parlay. That's normally what I do. If I see something a little bit interesting, I might just put a single bet. But I always have that $5 increments. That's my unit that I measure my bets on. And this one, if this $5 parlay hits... $73.76 on DraftKings. Again, there's a boost in there that I took advantage of. And we're going to explain why in a moment. We have three college football, two MLB games. I'm going to have a lot more college next week. So I went with Nebraska Northwestern. The game out in Dublin, Ireland that's going to be getting kicked off in about an hour and a half. I'm going Nebraska Northwestern, the under 51 and a half. Last night, the over-under was about at 64 or so, but I wound up waiting overnight to see how the line shifts, and turns out it shifted further downward. I wish I could have taken that under at 62, but again, beggars can't be choosers. I saw this like late last night while I was kind of prepping out the show. So Nebraska Northwestern, under 51.5 at minus 110. I'll go UConn. Plus 26.5 points on the spread. Yes, this is probably a dangerous bet, but I've always mentioned it. If there is a more than three touchdown spread, take it. I think it could be a three touchdown game. I think it definitely could be a game that lands in that 21-24 range. And if it does that, that's a that's a tick cashed, my friend. So I think that's going to happen. UConn, plus 26.5 point dogs, I think that they cover that 26.5 point spread at minus 110. I'll go Vanderbilt beating Hawaii. I'll go straight up there on the money line. That is a minus 330. I'll go ahead and explain why I'm picking these the way I am. So, again, going back to the Nebraska Northwestern under 51.5. Seven of the last 10 games for the Cornhuskers have gone under. And the spread... It's a lot like the rent. It's too damn high. UConn, Utah State. When it comes to spreads, again, I always like to get these big ones. And UConn's been 6-3 against the spread, and I think it could be a three-score game, which, again, I'm intrigued by. Vanderbilt, Moneyline versus Hawaii. Not quite Pac-12 after dark, but it'll do, and I'll roll with some late-night football because you know your boy loves that kind of stuff. And I think the Doors beat the Rainbow Warriors. Nine-point spread is a little bit too tough to to lay some money on, so I'll just go with an outright winner there at minus 330 with Vandy. The Toronto Blue Jays taking on the Los Angeles Angels. Give me the money line for the Blue Jays at minus 155. They've been on a tear lately, 7-2 straight up, and are against a crap Angels team who are 1-6 straight up. Yes, they won last night 12-0, but if you've listened to foot enough, the foot theory or the piper, it's going to be paid tonight. That's pick number four. The final leg of this parlay is the Tampa Bay Rays taking on the Boston Red Sox. 
And I got to go with the Tampa Bay Rays beating the Red Sox in this one. Money line is minus 130. It's mind-blowing, but take this data with you when it comes to this pick because I looked at some history and how they've done in the last couple of weeks or the last month. And in the last two weekend series, they lose Friday night and then they bounce back on Saturday. Like They've done this over the last two weekends. I think that is a trend and could continue today when they take on the Boston Red Sox. It's a lowly Red Sox team. That is going to be an interesting one. Again, minus 150, 130 excuse me, on the Tampa Bay Rays right now. The the Again, the Angels' money line is minus 150 now, not 155. I had that written down from last night's notes. But outside that, nothing has really changed on that end. And you put that all together on a $5 parlay. Again, do not bet the house. Do not hold me responsible for you declaring bankruptcy like your name's Michael Scott. I'm telling you, just put $5 on it, and you wind up probably being a little bit happier because I'll be pointing you in the right direction to some money or hell, put some individual bets on it. Why not? $73.76, that is what's going to pay for you. I'll also throw in one more kind of thing that I have for college football. And it is the most insane thing I've ever done. But it's a $5 10-leg parlay on a future bet. Now listen to this. Now peep this. I decided to go with division winners, keyword division. Just go ahead and pay attention to this. And hell, you if you want to put down this 10-leg parlay, go ahead. Be my guest. You might wind up either regretting it or, you know, again, $5 might just be a drop in the bucket for you. I don't know. But always make sure you are aware to bet what you can afford to lose. I'll go ACC first. Clemson. And Miami, I think they come out of their respective divisions in the Atlantic and Coastal. I'll go Ohio State and Georgia. Ohio State at the Big Ten East and the SEC East being the Georgia Bulldogs. Alabama, there's no doubt about it. They'll win the SEC West at minus 600. App State plus 140 coming out the East Division without James Madison because they're not considered as part of this according to DraftKings. The UL Raging Cajuns, Louisiana Raging Cajuns, at minus 135. I've got them winning the Sun Belt West. We'll also go a little Mountain West action with Boise State at plus 110, Fresno State at minus 140. And then we go with on Wisconsin, the Big Ten West Division winner at plus 190. And again, this requires a lot of stuff to happen in 2022. But if we get to the end of the regular season and that hits, $5 turns into 1300 no, excuse me, $1,397.72, just like that. Damn near $1,400 instantaneously. And if that hits, you boys go and eat some Sizzler. Is there a Sizzler here in Acadiana? Probably not. But that's a different conversation. It's a different joke. If you will, but maybe I'll go to Ruth Chris one night. Go ahead and spend all that money in one place. Back after this on the game, 1037 Live Yet and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Got Ross Jackson coming on in about 10 minutes. We'll get to get some Cajuns talk and give you my game by game predictions next.
Most sports talk shows turn it up to 10 on the amp, but Under the Dome is far from your ordinary sports talk show. It takes it just one step higher. These guys are that. Now back to the show that gets the lead out. Under the Dome with CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Ross Jackson coming on the program in about 10 minutes. For the meantime and in between time, let me tell you about the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles because we want to crown you the ultimate tailgating king with this ultimate tailgate giveaway. Now, what do you win if you enter in to win right now? In the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Well, it's quite simple, actually. You can score $500. Yes, $500. And that is to chop specialty meats, a new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, and also tickets to LSU and Raging Cajuns football games, and so much more. And all you got to do is go to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to win this prize. And the Ultimate Tailgate Giveaway is powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and, of course, the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Okay, we'll have Ross Jackson on in about eight minutes. So let's get to my Cajuns game-by-game predictions real quick. Start off with Louisiana taking on Southeastern next Saturday. The Dez era begins with a win, and I think it'll be a fun ball game. I said it in hour one. I'm intrigued to see how the Fields-Woolridge rotation goes. I am really wanting to go to this game simply because I feel like things are going to be interesting, interesting to watch. I don't think it'll be like what we saw last year where the Cajuns kind of were lulled into it and didn't necessarily bring a lot of, you know... I heard HUD say this many years ago during my, my first years covering the Cajuns, saying it was a lot more of a vanilla offense versus a rocky road. I think we'll see a little bit more rocky road versus too vanilla, and the game gets a little more competitive than it ever had any business being. Again, the Fields-Woolridge rotation, how that goes, will be interesting to see. Louisiana versus Eastern Michigan. It's really cool, number one. This is going to be on the NFL Network. I'll go with the Cajuns getting a win over Eastern Michigan, but I think it'll be a little bit closer than some might think. Cajuns hit the road to take on Rice. I think the Owls could be a swing game, but I'll go with the Cajuns getting the win to start off 3-0. And you think about this. There's a chance that the Cajuns could start off 4-0. And I think they have every opportunity to do so. I think 4-0, 3-1, a start there. That is a rousing success for Coach Dez in his first year. Because, yeah, you've got an interesting team in Eastern Michigan. Rice could be a trip-up game. And you take on ULM, that's a that's a 4-0 start for me. It's crazy to think about. That happens. Dez needs an extension right then and there. Then Louisiana is going to be taking on South Alabama. Jags, they're a team I've mentioned before, are consistently inconsistent. I'm hoping the Jags get better in 2022, 
but I think the Cajuns do win a tight one. Marshall, the next week. I think Marshall gets a measure of revenge after the Nola Bowl loss to end their season. And I think the Cajuns get their first L. So they'll be at 5-1, and one, heading into a big game against Arkansas State. And I said it months ago, I think Butch Jones and the Red Wolves will be better in year two, but not quite at that level we saw for years, dating back to the Hugh Freezes of the world. I think it's going to be a much better team in 2022, but I think the Cajuns are going to be better and not wanting to lose two straight, especially a Western Conference foe. You Louisiana Southern Miss, it's a swing game, but I'm going to roll with the Cajuns getting a win over Southern Miss because, again, that is a critical game to secure the West Division. But there is one game that the Cajuns will lose involving a Sunbelt West opponent. And, yes, I thought Troy wasn't that good when I did my tier list, but after doing some research, I feel like they could trip the Cajuns up and I'll say the Cajuns lose that one to Troy to drop to, I believe I have them at 6-2. and 6-2, and two, I think I, that's what I have them at. They'll go to 7-2 and two where they win over Georgia Southern in my hard hearts. I feel like that's the direction that's going to go there. Georgia Southern don't know a whole hell of a lot about them, but they are a team that feels very middling while the Cajuns feel like a team that Again, when I did my tier list a few weeks ago, they are very much in an A-tier ranking. Then we get to the Florida State game. I think a few years ago, like when this game got announced, I thought it was an upset special because of the fact that Florida State was in a bad, bad way. But lo and behold, that's not the case anymore. I think Des and crew year one are going to take an L here but it's going to be a learning experience for Coach Dez and the crew in year one. Then you wrap up against Texas State, and honestly, that's a win to me. That is an absolute win. So 9-3 and three feels like the right choice. And again, degenerates are going to be degenerates. I have the Cajuns over 8.5 wins. So trust me, my wallet is sure hoping I'm right when it comes to that. 337 706-0111. If you want to talk about the Cajuns, where they kind of land, I think 9-3 and three might be their ceiling as well. 10-2 and two is a very distinct possibility, but I don't think you go through the Sunbelt Conference unscathed, especially when you play a team like Troy and you play a team like Marshall, Southern Miss could be a team that trips you up as well. But I think there's at least three teams that I think could you you definitely one team you definitely lose to and two and it could rotate between any of the other games that I said were swings. And if they go to nine and three in year one under Coach Dez, just give it up. That is a huge success. For a program that had seen better days, if you will. If I were to put a floor on it, I think 7-5 and five feels like a fair number. Because again, you could lose a couple of games I expect them to win. So again, the over-under 8.5 wins, I'll take the over on it. But I'm 
a little less confident than I am with some of my picks to click that I do each and every Saturday. Now we'll do that at the top of hour number two. But one thing we always do around this time is get our good friend Ross Jackson aboard the show. Preseason's in the books. Get some thoughts heading into the 53-man roster determinations and so much more right here, right now. Going to talk about those Saints and what he thought about Jameis Winston's appearance in the preseason. Back after this on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. Who is the world-famous CD, really? Whatever you think, when you think sports radio, he's the exact opposite. Yes, I will do the opposite. Let's get back to Under the Dome with CD before he starts acting like Costanza. George is getting upset! On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Live, Yet and 104.1 Lake Charles. And we are your home for high school football. And not just here on the game with St. Thomas Moore, Danny Jones, and the crew. You also have the Bar Buccaneers on 104.1 out in Lake Charles. You've got Acadiana High, the premier team in the Acadiana area involved in high school football. They're on 97.7 FM Me TV FM Karen Crow High on Z1059. My alma mater can't wait to see what they do in 2022. Southside High on Mustang 1071. The Vermilion Parish Game of the Week. Don't forget, that's on 106.3 Radio Lafayette. News Talk 98.5 and 1520 AM is your home for the St. Landry Parish Game of the Week. So make sure you download those stations' free mobile apps and listen to your favorite teams at home or even on the road. Delta Media is your home for Friday night football and also your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros here on the game and also your home for Under the Dome with CD. But enough talk. It's time to get to the conversation with our guy, Ross Jackson, host of the Locked on Saints podcast. Hell, just before I came back from break, I got a notification on my phone because I get notifications whenever Locked on Saints, Locked on Pelicans, some other podcasts that I do like and listen to on the regular post their episodes. He just dropped one. Dude is out there grinding. That is Ross Jackson, host of the Locked on Saints podcast and contributor for Saints Wire. Ross, how you doing, brother? Hey, brother. Doing great, man. Glad to be on here with you. Yeah, just put out a new episode uh, episode this morning, but you know what? I needed to make sure I was clear for my 1030 appointment. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you always... Get, you always make the time, and it's always appreciated. Let's get down to the more upsetting part of Friday night's win over the Los Angeles Chargers, and that is the injury to Trevor Pinning, which looks to be a bad turf toe injury, according to Ian Rappaport. How long do you expect him to be out? Yeah, I mean, look, it depends on the severity of the injury, right? These things have timetables that shift anywhere from, you know, four to six weeks to, you know, two to four months and things like that. And so, you know, you never really know where it's going to go here. So we'll have to wait to see once we get the designation in terms of where, you know, how bad the turf to injury actually is. But, you know, look, C.J. Garner-Johnson had had a turf to injury last year. He missed four weeks. 
Uh, Devontae Adams had one in 2019. He missed four weeks. Um, Mark Ingram had one in 2011. He missed six weeks. So this could really kind of go all over the place. You're hoping for kind of that four- to six-week time frame, uh, which is okay if you consider the fact that the Saints don't open the season until until September 11th against the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta two weeks from now. So that would take a six-week injury down to four games missed, a four-week injury down to two games missed. That would be good for for you know Trevor Penning and, and the New Orleans Saints who want to at least have him in practice continuing to develop. Is the left tackle position cursed? Because you have him and then you have James Hurst, then you just look at Teron Armstead. All the years he's been with the Saints, he just get, kept getting injured almost every single week. It just feels like to me the, the left tackle position is seemingly becoming the most cursed position for the Saints. Yeah, it's a, it's a rough spot, and it's a rough spot to have that kind of injury history at, right? I mean, that's the second, some people might say, third most important uh, position on the roster right there. You know, on, on a football field is the guy that protects the quarterback, uh, particularly the quarterback's blind side with a right-handed quarterback like Jameis Winston. So, you know, it's, it's a tough place to have that. Um, you know, the other thing that's that's a part of it, too, is that, you know, we've seen this from Friendly Fire a couple of times. Tron Armstead had his injury early last season uh, when a running back ran into his arm. And then today, or not today, excuse me, but Friday, uh, last night, you had the injury to Trevor Pitting when, you know, a, another guy in a black jersey, black and gold jersey, ends up uh, kind of rolling over into him. And, you, you know, so you hate to see it come down that way in particular, right, to where it's like a Friendly Fire thing. So, um Thanks to see that kind of injury luck at that position, but hopefully the Saints are able to mitigate it. And, you know, it looks like James Hurst is going to be back, quote-unquote, sooner than later, according to Dennis Allen, which so far this offseason has meant tomorrow. Um, so we'll see exactly how quickly um, James Hurst gets back out on the field. But, you know, if he's there and healthy to start the season, then the Saints are in a much better position. In the one drive that Jameis Winston did play, which was a big surprise to me after all the injuries that he's been dealing with, over the course of training camp, he was able to play. What was your overall takeaways from that drive? Uh, I mean, he looked like a quarterback that's ready to get started with the NFL season, and he looks like one that's ready to run this offense and expand on the success that he had last year. I mean, you saw everything from him. You saw his mobility stepping up into the pocket. You saw him throw while taking a hit, but, but you know, really good ball placement there. You saw him fire the ball downfield to guys like Jarvis Landry and Chris Olave, who are you know, just those two guys alone are miles ahead in terms of what the New Orleans Saints had at the wide receiver position last year, and that's before you put Michael Thomas out on the field. So, um, to me, Jameis Winston is a guy that you know kind of answered some questions last night because a lot of folks have been kind of doubting his ability to be able to come back from the injury as a whole, right? But then also, you know, have continued to wonder can he succeed as a New Orleans Saints quarterback? And we saw him do it last year. 14 touchdowns to three interceptions, highest red zone passer rating in the NFL. And then coming into this preseason game, I think he answered a lot of questions as to his ability to be able to execute an offense that not only wants to attack uh, laterally from sideline to sideline, but also his inherent ability to be able to attack downfield. And especially when you have a guy like Juice Landry out there catching every mm-hmm. single ball that was thrown his way. like that, that first drive, it was nothing short of magical to see those plays, especially because they were – plays that one move the change at number two you just saw juice it was a second pass attempt that Jameis had it was probably the worst pass he had of the game but he was under pressure was throwing up the pocket and he absolutely just threw a dart that somehow some way juice was able to secure yeah and that's the that's the big benefit to having a guy like Travis Landry on your team all of a sudden is that he makes those catches 
I mean, he, he's a guy that has your know, really expansive catch radius. He kind of erases inaccuracy. So when you're, you know, when you're Jameis Winston and you do, you know, you do have some pressure, uh, you're feeling some heat and you need to be able to get the ball out, you know, you need to just make the right decision in terms of an open, open Jarvis Landry, who is a player that tends to get open. But then also, all you got to do is put it kind of in his general vicinity and he's going to be able to come down with it. So, you know, I, I love the connection between Jarvis Landry and Jameis Winston. That's huge. The Saints were 30th last year in third down conversion percentage. That didn't necessarily get worse over the course of the season when quarterbacks and injuries and things like that set in. That was a place where they struggled all season last year, and a large part of it was because of the sort of depletion of the uh, wide receiver position and offenses being able to stack boxes, or excuse me, defenses being able to stack boxes against the run game and therefore force losses for the Saints on early downs. So they played a lot of third and long situations. And Jarvis Landry is going to be able to help bail you out of those situations as well as third and short situations. So he, Chris Olave, Michael Thomas make a load of difference in terms of your ability to be able to extend drives. Think about the fact that the Saints also had 15 penalty yards on that opening drive as well with the holding penalty and the illegal shift penalty. They made up for all of that. Exactly. It's interesting to see how this team looks. Talking right now with Ross Jackson, Locked On Saints podcast host and also part of the Saints Wire, which is part of the USA Today Network. And another thing I want to get to more on the offensive side, we'll talk about the defense in a moment, but what was that play? It was towards the end of the first quarter. You know what I'm talking about. The I'm, I'm calling it the Madden NFL 23 glitch play. How the hell was he able to like get his hand at the right spot at the right time? Dude was in the matrix in that moment. Yeah, that was absolutely uh, insane. And, you know, it was unfortunate that the play only ended up being a completion and a first down. It should have resulted in a touchdown for Marquez Callaway, who led the, uh, I believe, the game actually in receiving yards, not just the team. But it, what an incredible effort, first of all, by Traquan Smith, who unfortunately ended up with an injury, uh, ended up being injured on that play. But him sort of wrapping his wrists around, and then, you know, I don't know that he necessarily knew that he was trying to get his hand under the ball or anything like that. Like, he's just trying to catch it, right? So he's trying to get his hand under the ball to try to secure the catch. But just the sheer force at which he's coming down, the ball ends up bouncing up, tips off of another Chargers defender, and then right into the hands of awaiting Marquez Calloway. And so there's two things that you see there. You see the effort from Traquan Smith, but you also see the awareness of Marquez Calloway to know that a play is never over until the whistle blows. And that doesn't just go for guys on the offensive and defensive line or guys that are ball carriers and things like that. That goes for guys that are in position to make plays. And Marquez Calloway had the awareness, had the wherewithal and the understanding to make sure that he was at least watching making sure that he saw what was going on. And when he saw that ball pop up, working his way into position and then maintaining the concentration off of the Chargers tip to be able to come down with it and you know then pick up the extra yardage that should have resulted in a touchdown. Uh, pretty great display by both of them, but unfortunately for Traquan Smith, he ends up with the injury on the play. Exactly. And am I the only one who hopes this is the only time in the entire Saints 2022 season where the referees don't let a play finish out like that? Like, they, they, I was talking with my dad, and he's, a, he's an official more on the high school level, but he knows the mechanic where if you have a play like that that's so kooky, you got to let that play out and then look at the tape, and if you see something, go ahead and rule it a touchdown. That was like, it, it wound up being non-consequential because you wound up winning the game anyways, but at least let the play finish out, and hopefully these guys are aware that's something that needs to be done. Yeah, it's shocking to me that it's still a problem, if I'm being honest with you. It's shocking to me that NFL referees haven't figured this out yet, considering the amount of plays that they have effectively erased because of premature whistles and not allowing plays to develop. Like the mechanism of 
scoring plays and turnovers are automatically reviewed are there for a reason to allow you to let those plays play out and then they become they'll they'll be automatically reviewed we see this on fumbles constantly we see it on change of possession constantly and then we saw it again in this in this arena with these dead ball plays um, against the Saints last night and so I don't understand why it is that NFL referees haven't caught on to this yet while the rest of the world has. And I don't understand how it's not a point of emphasis in terms of what the NFL is trying to do with officiating. But I guess taunting is way more important to the NFL at the moment. What do you say about what you saw from the defensive side of the football, Ross? Because I think that's been an interesting topic to see over the course of the, the training camp and seeing how player, certain players are improving their stock. I think guys like Taco Char- Charlton – and mm-hmm. Kirk Merritt is one of those guys, obviously, on the offensive side of the football that could make a big impact on special teams. But Justin Evans is another one that I think we're interested to see how he, they're going to work out. Yeah, and look, I think Justin Evans earned himself – I mean, I think he has been earning himself a roster spot, but I think he solidified that roster spot last night. I, I think it's going to be really, really hard to keep him off the 53-man roster. doesn't mean that he makes it, right? I mean, the Saints might go a different direction at the position or numbers elsewhere on the roster impact how many safeties they're willing and able to keep, right? So there's a lot of different mechanisms that go into it beyond just the performance throughout camp, but he has been outstanding. And this is a guy that hasn't played football since 2018, right? Been dealing with injuries and all that. And so he, he's been an awesome story to follow, first of all. But secondly, um, he had himself a very, very nice performance and I think a solidifying performance last night. Uh, you mentioned Taco Charlton. I think Taco Charlton is another one that has had some uh, flashes throughout camp. I don't think he's been as consistent in camp as Peyton Turner, for instance, has been. But I do think, not that the two are in immediate competition, Peyton Turner's not going anywhere. But I think that he has set himself up in terms of his ability to impact games, what we've seen in the preseason games, to where even if there's not enough of the numbers to keep him around in New Orleans, that he should get another opportunity with another NFL team, especially considering how prime, you know, the fact that he plays at a premier position. So if the Saints end up moving on from him, there's two ways that they could do it. They could send him the waivers where he'll very likely be picked up, or, or they can move on from him where he'll very likely you know, be picked up by another team uh, in an attempt to get him over to the practice squad. Or they could potentially trade him so that they get something back for him and, and, and then also still shed uh, the roster spot. So there's a lot of opportunities there, especially with a player at a premier position and a high-value position like edge, uh, like edge rusher. So I think he's a guy. And then another guy that I'll just quickly mention is Nephi Sewell. Played some, you know, first-team uh, snaps all throughout the week. Had some pretty nice moments in last night's um, preseason game, preseason finale. I don't know that he's done enough to get a roster spot just yet, but he's somebody to watch as the post-initial roster roster moves take place. Players going to injured reserve, things like that. So even if he doesn't make the initial roster, it doesn't mean that he doesn't end up on the 53 at some point early on in the season. Let's get to Ian Book because I think that's one of the more interesting conversations a lot of us are having is what happens with him. Do you think he winds up being a that third quarterback or do the Saints wind up just riding with two quarterbacks on the 53 and put Ian Book on the practice squad? Yeah, I think it's more than the latter. Um, I think you you have the emergency quarterback should you need one in-game um, in Taysom Hill. That's already – going to hold up, a, you know, it's already going to have a roster spot as a tight end. So, you know, you can keep, if you can get a third quarterback without having to take up another roster spot, then you're pretty happy to do that. So I think that Jameis and, and, and Andy Dalton will be the quarterbacks on the roster with Taysom Hill as sort of your emergency QB3 slash your, your tight end, of course. And then the question becomes, you know, kind of similar to Taco Charlton, what do you do with, with uh, Ian Book? I think 
you can get him through waivers and get him to um, the practice squad. But, you know, it was interesting at the beginning of last season, before the you know, first game of the season against the Packers, the you know television broadcast was kind of talking about, or actually it was the Jacksonville game, the preseason game. Um, the television broadcasters were kind of talking about the Saints getting and fielding phone calls about Ian Book in terms of trade options. And so could that still, could that interest still be there for a team like, say, the New York Jets, for instance? Um, in, and, you know, did Ian Book help himself in terms of what his value might look like in last night's game? I certainly think that he's helped himself, and I think that, you know, more likely he'll end up on the New Orleans Saints practice squad, but it'll be interesting to sort of see how last night's game potentially impacts his future. Ross, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road, and enjoy the rest of your weekend, brother. Thanks, buddy. Right back at you. I appreciate you. Take care. Stay safe. Thanks always for having me on. All right, Ross Jackson, host of the Locked on Saints podcast, also part of Saints Wire, which is part of that USA Today network. Going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. When we come back, we got one more segment, one more take, and we're going to golf for a little bit because, honestly, I like what Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy are doing. I think it's a great idea to build the game for the future. Back after this on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. Before we close up shop here on Under the Dome, CD has just one more take to fire off before he drops the mic. Is it going to be a take that lands on the Scoville scale? Or is it going to be as cold as the pizza in your fridge? Let's listen in and find out. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD. One final segment in the show before we head into my weekend, which we fill with football, football, and more football, and other things too. Just going to go ahead and enjoy this weekend of week zero foosball. But before we get out of here, let me tell you, you can enter in the clubhouse today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, and we can help you with your date night blues. If you've got a date tonight, Trust me, you want to get in on the action right now in the clubhouse. Me, I don't have a date. Haven't had one in a while, and honestly, don't know when the next one's coming around the corner. Maybe the fact that I'm losing some weight, looking good, maybe then I could kind of get some more dates. That's just that's just me. But once you become a member of the Rewards Club, you'll have a chance to win some excellent prizes, including a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, or a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free, and it's simple, so go ahead and get signed up today if you haven't already. But I saw this pop up the other day on Twitter, and honestly, I love the idea. Because Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods I have a love-hate relationship with, just personal opinion. I'm just he's he's a great golfer, one of the best in the biz, best of all time. But I feel like you know he just doesn't know when to hang it up a little bit. He could have hung it up a long time ago, especially after the car accident that probably should have been the sign. Hey, maybe go ahead and hang it up again. That's just my thought. But they announced a 15-match season in agreement with the PGA Tour, very different from what the, you know, the LIV Tour did. But they're actually putting together something really cool. It's six teams of three will play in a custom-built venue that will combine technology and live elements in a series of matchups on Monday night, followed by playoffs to crown a champion. Like, here's the thing about that. 
and I've talked about a lot when I talk about the MLB and how much they need to adapt their game to a certain extent to attract a younger audience. And again, I'm, I'm 33 years old. I like golf, but I'm not over the moon going to spend an entire weekend watching nothing but golf every single weekend. Maybe I'll watch it whenever it's the big games, like the Open, the Masters. But if I'm wanting to attract younger fans, this is an ideal freaking opportunity if you're the PGA. And I the fact that it's going to actually complement the tour schedule, and it's not going to be an entire 18-hole matchup. It's going to feel like it's a two-hour event. I feel like two hours is a lot more easier of a time investment. As a wrestling fan, three-hour TV shows every week are an absolute grind. It's gotten better with Triple H at the helm, but you have a typical final round of the PJ Tour. Those go about four or five hours. Two hour, a two-hour jaunt like that, and that on TV, I think a lot of the younger audience would watch it, especially if it's in, as intriguing as some of the mock-ups do look. But that's about all I got for this week's edition of Under, Under the Dome with CD. Next week, we dive fully into the sport of college football week one action. Can't wait, Bart Scott style. Until next week, I'm Clint Doming. You've been listening to Under the Dome with CD. Got v coming up. Also tonight, we got Astros baseball right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. See ya.